Phil Muscatello and FinPods are authorized reps of Money Sherpa. The information in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal situation. Shares for beginners. Weekend watch list. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we take a close look at an individual company that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, and today in this case, it can be a tool to help you to find stocks to avoid. Joining me today is Elio D'Amato, and we're talking Core Lithium ASX Code CXO. G'day, Elio. Yeah, g'day, Phil. I certainly hope that everyone's sitting down for this one. They may have been thinking that it was going to be a buy recommendation today, but I think it's important to note that Stockopedia helps all investors, irrespective of the cut of their cloth as to whether they're raging bulls or even pessimistic bears. And in this instance here, of course, it's a pretty clear avoid at the moment, but I think it's worth having a bit of a history lesson to figure out why it may have been an avoid, because of course, uh, these types of scenarios play out quite regularly in the Australian share market. So lithium, and I noticed this on X, formerly known as Twitter, there are so many true believers in lithium that are just holding and holding while they've seen all of these companies plummet. And so Core Lithium is one of the the ones, and it's fallen out of the ASX 200 over the last year or so, hasn't it? I've picked Core Lithium to focus on, but to be frank, the picture that's being painted here is pretty much can be encapsulated in the idea of battery metals. And I spoke a bit about that when I was last on the program, when I was discussing Linus. And this whole idea, we know the world's going green, we know there has to be renewable energy, and that energy has to be stored somewhere. Of course, the ultimate question is, how will that energy be stored? And in the short term, it's very much been lithium-ion batteries and the various components involved with that, of which lithium has been quite strong. Particularly back in 2022, if I can go back that far, I can remember lithium prices at all-time highs and there was nothing that could go wrong. Of course, fast forward to today and the price of lithium has fallen some 85% from its peaks and a number of mines have shut down. So the true believers are holding on to the idea that we are going to be driving you know, renewable energy cars, uh, our TVs will be powered by these sources, all that sort of thing, and I can't deny that that's the case. However, like most bubble or bust cycles that we've seen through the ages, remember the actors might change but the plot always remains the same, eventually prices go between over-exuberance and over-pessimism, and usually somewhere in between is the right level. Well, Definitely, we're in over-pessimism, and I think it's important to note not just the fact that we're there, but more importantly, how can we identify a time when we've got over-optimism so that we can position ourselves accordingly? And I think, you know, Core has definitely got some clear examples. You know, that hey, they have that Mount Fuji pattern that, as we know, it goes up and goes down. You've got, you know, stocks like Lion Town with their Kathleen Valley. You've got Chalice Resources with their Jolima mine. You've got Sayona, which has Moblan up in Quebec in Canada. You've got Vulcan Energy is going to do green energy to develop green energy. There's a whole range of different scenarios here, but I am going to focus on Core, which to keep it short, is basically a hard rock lithium company that owns and operates. Well, it did operate, but we'll get to that in a moment, from the Finnis lithium operation, which is located in the Northern Territory, which old stock dogs like us know there's a bit of history there. But anyway, we'll leave that alone for another day. Uh, Near the Cox Peninsula, not too far from the uh, edge of the water, so not too bad to actually get it offshore. There was a lot of hype that was brought into 
Corp. But of course, as investors can clearly see in the share price, that hype has been burst somewhat. In your answer then, you just referred to avoiding the over-exuberance and the signs of over-exuberance. How do you identify that? Prices are allowed to go up in share price. I mean, there's some obvious cases when you look at, what is it, those NFTs, those non-fudgeable tokens where people were paying more money than cents for stupid pictures of apes for some reason. I still don't know why, but they did and uh, would do that. That is an obvious case. But then you get other cases where it's not quite so obvious, where the thematics still remain quite strong. The idea driving the price uh, seems reasonable and rational to anyone that's got a a basic uh, education behind them. In those instances there, in our view, the best way to identify whether we've got over-exuberance is by identifying the driver of the business. So when we look at some of those names I discussed earlier, including Core that we're going to talk about today, you can easily see the share price goes up and then you can look a little deeper to identify what it is that's driving the share price up. And it's Stockopedia's view, and remember, we stand on the shoulders of investing legends in order to identify this stuff. Uh, It was definitely momentum that was driving the price. So once you know that it's momentum that's driving the price rather than fundamental performance, that immediately tells you that there is a lot of hype put in the share price. Either the fundamentals will eventually catch up with the price or that vice versa scenario where, of course, the price reverts back to the fundamentals as it has done with Core Lithium. I, I think one of those signs of over-exuberance is when you keep on hearing about a particular mineral in the pub. <laughs> I dare oh, suggest I got- Lithium would have got a good run. <laughs> So this is the seduction of a simple narrative that can lead to investing doom. And one of the aspects of this is the difference between hard rock and brine. Tell us about um, how that plays into the supply of this particular mineral and metal. Yeah, of course. Uh, lithium is a uh, interesting commodity. Uh, I suppose we'll remember an old ad, you know, oils ain't oils. Well, lithium ain't lithium per se. Uh, Here in Australia, we have a focus on hard rock lithium uh, predominantly. As the name would suggest, it's lithium that's located in rock, which has to be drilled in order to get out of the ground. And that is actually uh, quite an expensive, costly and lengthy process, which also makes us quite uh, valued on a global scale in regards to our commodity, um, that we're able to get that out of the ground. Now, hard rock can be compared with brine. Brine, which actually, in theory, is relatively simple to actually extract. So, again, in very simplistic terms, it's about having these big pools and letting the sun do its work and evaporating the nasty stuff and basically being left with that lovely white powder, which is known as lithium. And, of course, South America is predominantly known for brine. We've got um, Alkim or AKK, which is now our largest lithium producer on our market in terms of the uh, brine stuff. But then again, that doesn't relate so much to here in Australia, but it does contribute to global supply because, of course, if someone's making a Tesla or a similar electric car, what do they really care what they use in their batteries provided, of course, lithium? Whether it comes from brine or hard rock, it means the same thing. And lithium spodamine prices that I talked of earlier, I mean, that 85% pullback from its peak is actually, you can further support that. I think it's 50% down from its high in October, which was last year, because lithium had a bit of a rebound and then came down again. So there's been definite volatility in this space. And the true believers hang on to this idea that you need it. But as you've just alluded to, Phil, 
There's many ways you can produce it. And of course, the minute a commodity gets hot, guess what? Everyone wants to start producing it. So you start looking for all these companies who are exploring it, taking it out of the ground, doing all they need to, uh, paying stupid rates in order to buy businesses that have lithium attached to, I don't know, some random email they might have sent once. Don't want to be facetious, but that's exactly what happens. So the process to deliver the outcome can be different, and both of those have very different scientific bases in order to arrive at the ultimate outcome, but that ultimate outcome is still relatively the same, and it's pitched on the global market, and as I alluded to, because of the price of that has gone down so much, we've seen many of our hard rock producers put the brakes on some of their projects like Core. Also, some of the brine ones, if they're still profitable, will be curbing production as well in order to match that, in order to hopefully help the spodamine price rebound somewhat. But uh, I think I I dare suggest at the moment, whether it's brine or hard rock, it's uh, one of those avoids and the summer might be coming, but uh, yeah, we've still got some uh, rainy days ahead. I think it's worthwhile mentioning the recent guest on the podcast, Fadi Diab, who invests in junior miners and who is totally mineral agnostic. He's not looking at any particular commodity because, you know, he he loves the story. He is actually um, looking into the nuts and bolts of the price and what's in uh, of the commodity and what's influencing that price. And it's it just speaks to the amount of consideration you have to give when investing in the complete story, not just something that you've heard and think, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, very much so. Uh, look, ultimately, a lot of the agnostic investors focus on gold because that's been going around since Cleopatra was a girl. And of course, the value of that has kept hold quite well. And in Australian dollar terms, it's at record highs at the moment. And there's a number of base metals that have had their challenges. You can throw in Copper's having a bit of a rebound. You get nickel, which has been on the nose. And again, that's been bundled up in the battery metals um, space. But then again, they're looking at possible credits that will help, you know, the big miners like IGO, for example, BHP, which has shut down a few WA mines recently in response. Um, they could be cutting royalties to those. So that would hopefully be a bit of a rocket to the nickel sector. So I have to agree, it really doesn't matter what a company takes out of the ground because the economics of getting it out of the ground and what it costs are exactly the same. No one can fight City Hall, neither can lithium miners. And as I alluded to, you know, when the you get these over-exuberance periods, you know, often the harder the price goes up, the harder the price comes down. And uh, therefore, in this instance here, it's been very much one of those theories. But I am I calling the death of lithium forever? Of course I'm not. I doubt anyone that'd be looking at a mining sector would call the end of any commodity. And that's where being agnostic is so strong. But ultimately, what you do need to do is you need to understand that economics right now. Is there demand right now? And then more importantly, in our view, can they get it out of the ground now to benefit from that high price and further to that is there potential upside that because of course if you've got a limited resource under the ground and you can only extract that that's great but it always helps if you've got more of it and the announcements of more of it coming are the kick of the share price that we need assuming commodity prices remain the same are you picking shares on gut instinct Buying on press tips or rumours, do you struggle to find the time to keep up with the research and analysis that goes into evaluating potential stocks? Stockopedia are pleased to offer a special deal to listeners of this podcast, a 14-day free trial and a 10% discount on the first year of membership. Sign up now at y.stockopedia.com slash sfb. 
there's no better time to access the most comprehensive, easy-to-use investing toolbox for DIY share investors. 10% off, 14-day free trial and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's why.stockopedia.com slash sfb. And another commodity is uranium, which has um, been going very well lately. Is that a, a sector to be, to be looking at at the moment, or are we looking at irrational exuberance there? Look, it's an interesting question. The price of yellow cake has gone up quite a bit on the back of Sprott buying up a whole bunch of supply in order to fund their ETF. Look, again, there's a whole bunch of reasons. The economics are that they can create baseload power, that it creates energy in the green sense. It's not for me to dispute that because I'm not smart enough to, but the reality is uranium has had a bull run at the moment. And this is an interesting point. So not only are you sitting down, folks, but I hope you're holding on to your chairs because, you know, I have exposure to uranium stocks, just like I had exposure to lithium stocks. Of course, on the way up, and yes, I took a little bit on the way down, but not as bad as where the prices are at the moment. And that's a lesson for everyone because, again, the demands on uranium, those factors are very much true. We understand that the demands for lithium are real. They're going to be there. Gold's always going to be there. All the base metals will be the same. You know, tin's had a horrid time, but that's going to be around even after this price correction. What ultimately, though, you need to do is understand the drivers of your business. Are they actually benefiting from the current production, from the current higher rates to pay out reasonable dividend distributions and keep their minds going? Or are they just simply, you know, two blokes in a ute with a shovel digging a hole in the middle of the Pilbara, hoping that they find something? Those sorts of companies, in our view, you can make a lot of money out of them. We have a lot of stocks, actually, Phil, you know, between the zero and 10, the, the companies that exhibit poor fundamentals, you know, poor momentum, all those sorts of things, who have their moment in the sun. We understand that and we acknowledge that. I'll give you the ones. The ones I'm holding for uh, the moment include Boss Energy, who will be Australia's next uh, uranium producer, as well as Paladin because they're actually getting it out of the ground now and benefiting from that. But, of course, there's a lot of exploration firms that have gone up by more in many cases. And, again, we just remind investors that you just need to be conscious of the fact that, you know, if you're a price taker in this market, the price giveth, but the price can take it away. Bannerman might be on the edge of production, and you know what? I sincerely hope they get there. And when they do, I hope they produce a lot of yellow cake, a lot of U308 or uranium, as it were. But, of course, that will be determined by the economics of the project, as has been discussed. Ultimately, what it costs to get out of the ground is going to be a key input. And we know that the cost of doing business in modern times has gone up as it had done for many decades before, just for some reason today we've rediscovered this phenomenon. Because of that, that means that we have to be flexible enough to have our price or have control over our pricing, which unfortunately a lot of price takers don't have. I don't know if you've had him on the program, Phil, but there's someone by the name of Phil Watkins, great chap, old stock dog, from created ProTrader, he's a long-term share investor or trader, and he tells me that he doesn't like to invest in stocks with over 1 billion shares on issue. Well, if I look at uh, Core, they've got something like 1.8 billion shares on issue after a number of capital raises. I mean, I can even look at Sayona. They've got over 8 billion. <laughs> that might very well explain why the price is where it is at the moment uh, in regards to level. So there's many nuances in this uh, share market game. You know, we need to appreciate and understand them, not to drive our decisions, 
but to drive our future decisions, what we do. Because if we ask ourselves, what do we do now? Chances are it's probably too late. We need to be uh, ready to make a decision at the time based on all the information that's presented to us. Wow. If a company has more than a billion shares on issue, it's something to avoid. And um, I hope you can put me in touch with Phil Watkins because I'd love to explore that. Yeah, no, definitely. I can do that. And uh, yeah, he's a rather laconic chap, as I expect most successful tech traders to actually be, but uh, great insights. And and, uh, if we can do that important skill in investing called listening and actually listen to what he has to say, I uh, tend to find that that's uh, actually a very valuable resource and has been particularly for my investing. So Core Lithium fell out of the ASX 200, I don't know exactly when, but um, over the last six months or so. Presumably that would have an effect on the share price as well. Yes, there is a school of thought that once a stock leaves one of the major indices, there is downward pressure. And that belief has come from the idea that exchange-traded funds have grown in popularity and control more of the coin flow, as it were. And once a stock leaves the ASX 200, it is then required, in essence, to sell that holding because it can no longer hold the stock as it fails its mandate. It can't get caught up you know, in the fairy tale, as it were, which many stocks like Core become. They become fairy tales. You know, what you want to listen to before you go to sleep, but not all of them have happy endings. <laughs> the reality, though, is that the price, other than sentiment, which is a very big driver in our market, particularly here in Australia, where we've proven sentiment is a strong uh, deliver of excess returns. There's uh, the reality is for many ETFs, the largest percentage of their holding are going to be in the really big guys. And by the time a stock like Core or the like is removed from the index, the index pretty much knows that it's going to be kicked out. And the holding in that business is actually quite minuscule relative to its size. So that provides some comfort to investors. ETFs require the survivorship buyers to ultimately drive returns. That is this idea that if you stay, uh, you'll be fine in the long run. But of course, if core drops out, then that means that that particular business doesn't and that goes down. And specific risk, which relates to the actual equity itself, is something that we've got to consider when investing in these businesses. Investors were cheering when Core and all the like were definitely achieving excess returns. Well, given that was the case, you can't be overly pessimistic when you're down on the negative. Whereas if you understood that people were just buying the story, that we didn't have the fundamentals yet catching up with the share price, then that just puts you in a different mindset as it did for me back in the day when I saw these stocks running as well. So on a sentiment perspective, I jumped on them. But of course, knowing that the fundamentals weren't backing them and also knowing that it literally takes a generation, if not 10 years, to get a mine fully operational up and running and you know perfectly optimised and profitable, then because of that, I've, I was always cautious. So when I did see an element of pullback, when the news flow started to get a little bit more negative, again, it wasn't for me to judge whether it was right or wrong. I just needed to know it was there. Once that was the case, I started to grow wary and was able to lock in much of my profit. What was interesting for me is because we often, you know, I'll do a bit of research on Stockopedia into the company before doing these interviews. And usually I see lots of colors, you know, there's greens and maybe a bit of yellow, a bit of red. And of course, when I opened up Core Lithium's page, there was nothing there. So it was like a visual cue straight away for me that this was a stock to avoid. 
And exactly. Um, and you look at the stock rank now, I think the momentum scores like one and the overall scores in the forties. So basically, and remember we've got two thousand listed companies. So if you rank forty, that doesn't excite from uh, underlying view. If you go back to that peak, so back in 2022, um, before the, yeah, if I I looked at Stockopedia, it's had something like 30% five-year CAGR of shares being issued over that period of five years. Well, back at its peak, the overall stock rank score was 60. Again, in itself was not necessarily great, but then looking at the detail, I could see momentum was actually 98. So, of course, momentum is going to be strong when the stock is peaking. That's because it was momentum driving the stock at that time. Quality was poor, value was poor. Guess what? Go to today, quality is still poor, value is still poor, and guess what? Momentum's obviously turned the other way. So that's now uh, flashing red and telling investors that it ain't momentum driving this stock uh, either at the moment. So there could be some doomsdayers that may be interested, and that's when you've got to start crystal balling in regards to the outlook lithium and your demands there, again, it's obviously a very different proposition investing in it today than what it was at its peak, especially now that it's put an actual halt to its fitness operations. I actually expect when the next full year comes out or even the next half year of it, the next quarterly, we're going to see a big drop off because of that halt in production. Uh, the company doesn't expect to open it anytime soon because, quite frankly, it's just not economical, not with spodamine prices at these levels. So is it only the price of lithium that will flow through to the bottom line of, uh, of core lithium, which will affect um, all of the numbers in the future and hopefully maybe become a buy again? That is an excellent question because many people assume, like, for example, you buy a gold producer, you're getting exposure to the gold price. So if you're bullish on gold, all you got to do is buy a, buy a gold stock, right? Well, it's not as simple as that. When it comes to a mining business, yes, there's commodity risk of being a price taker. So obviously, um, in the instance of this one here, which is core, it definitely needs lithium prices to improve. But the other caveat that I need to say is that they are a mine, which means that as a business, they have operations, they've got expenses, they've got to dig holes, they've got trucks, they've got staff, they've got all those elements that, you know, they've got rocket scientists, all of those which have to get right in order to do that. Now, They're a leveraged play on the commodity, which generally means if the lithium price rises by, say, 5%, you'd expect core to probably go up by more, especially one that's gone from no production to current production and hopefully increasing over time. But in many instances, investors need to decouple this idea that by investing uh, in a company, that they're investing in the underlying commodity only. I wish it were that simple, but it's not. There are operating factors that we need to consider that need to be understood before you invest in them because, of course, as investors in gold stocks will know, not all gold stocks have been going up, okay? That basically underlines the risk involved with the gold stock from an operational level that we need to consider. Uh, Of course, if everything's peachy, then yes, the gold price will very much reflect that as it will in the case of core because fitness is a very large resource. It's close to a port. Um, it can produce and it does so quite effectively. I have no qualms the fact that one day it will be a very large Australian producer. But at the moment, with spodamine prices so low, they're not producing because it's not economical. So, yeah, if they're squeaky clean, that'll be fine. But when you take a business which has a whole bunch of issues, it has a whole HR, digging holes, has trucks, all those sorts of things, 
if a company doesn't get those in order, then it doesn't matter what the underlying commodity price will do. If it's bad business, it's going to have a price that reflects what a bad business does. But I don't think that is in the case of core. I think that is a commodity play. But again, I wouldn't touch it because nothing's running, neither fundamentals nor the technical. Elio D'Amato, thanks very much for joining me today. It's been a great chat about the mining industry. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for listening to Shares for Beginners. You can find more at sharesforbeginners.com. If you enjoy listening, please take a moment to rate or review in your podcast player or tell a friend who might want to learn more about investing for their future. 